Buffalo gals, won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight. Come out tonight. Buffalo gals, won't you come out tonight? Dance for the light of the Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. And uh, today we're recording from, for the first time ever, three different locations because uh, our our good friend and co-host Kevin has uh, come down with a little bit of the old uh, corona flu there. JR, are you doing okay? No no coronavirus for you. Uh, no, no coronavirus yet. Uh, there's still parasite growing in my in my wife's womb. That's a that uh, we're going to have to deal with pretty soon. Disturbing way to, de- to refer to it, but okay. <laughs> uh, no, so that's like and that's going to happen very soon. I mean, eh? the due date is in like 9 days. Oh so. Jesus. Yeah. Could be any time. My wife went into labor, I think, maybe a week before she was due. Well, they induced labor, but she had a, she had a, I think she thought she was bleeding, and then we went to the ER, and they were just like, let's just induce. And then we're like, okay. They're like, you're here anyway. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> so. Jeez. And they, it, was like, that's, uh, it was like one in the morning. It's brutal. Yeah. That's frightening. Yeah. But, uh, you know. You get the kid out of it, so that's that's totally worth it, 100%. You're going to love it. I talked to our friend Jordan the other day. Actually, I went to a former co-host of the Filmiac podcast and founding member. I uh, I went to the library, and I talked to him for a little while, and uh, he was telling me about his family and everything. You know, he's got – how many kids does he have? He three kids, right? Out of control. Out of control. Oh, yeah, I, I won't be doing that. <laughs> no, neither will I. Absolutely. Did by the way, did you mention what movie we're talking about yet? No, not at all. <laughs> no, okay. I was gonna. Yeah, good call. Uh, this week on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, my pick, the 1997 uh, airplane thriller, mm. Turbulence, <laughs> directed by Robert Butler, starring Ray Liotta and Lauren Holly, among others. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some big news, big big news. In fact, let's just jump into the news right now. Warner Brothers, who apparently owns HBO, which I wasn't even aware of. They announced that they're going to release their 2021 slate of films, all their films. I forget how many of them there were. Do you guys remember how many that they said there were? It's like eight, nine? It was more than a dozen, right? Oh, I thought it was. No, it was more than nine. I agree. It was like in the teens, wasn't it? Probably. (laughs) Anyways, they're going to release them all um, same day to theaters as to HBO Max. Very, very incredibly exciting news. Or, uh, you know, terribly depressing, depending on your feelings about the cinematic experience. Mm. For for the first few years, I think I'm going to miss it. <laughs> the cinematic experience, I already miss mm. it. But I imagine we'll uh, we'll all just forget that uh, theaters were a thing that we spent a lot of time mm. at. Once Seven, time. 17 movies next oh. year. Start, actually, they said starting December 25th. So I guess that because of uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, out. yeah. yeah. So 17 movies over the next year, and including The Matrix 4 and Dune. Mm. So I, for one, applaud the decision. Uh, Down with theaters, they are the absolute worst. (laughs) And uh, I would much rather watch Dune on my TV in my living room (sighs) the day it comes out. Yeah, I mean... That's just me, though. Yeah, you know, I'm just I'm sorry that you don't, don't have, have any life. good theaters in in Baton Rouge that you enjoy spending time in, and I'm sorry that you hate good sound. I'm, I'm sorry too. <laughs> I'm 
Okay, give me a break, good sound. Get, get the uh, fuck out of here. Actually, you know, I mean, I'm thinking that. I mean, this isn't really going to... <laughs> what I want to happen is a total extinction event. I want all theaters to go away, okay? All theaters. Every single theater, I want it to go out of business. And then I want the independent theaters to trickle back. And just the independent theaters. I want Broad Theater in New Orleans to trickle back. I want them to reopen Segan, <laughs> even though they've you know rebuilt it as some kind of storage locker facility <laughs> or something. I want them to, um, you know, just uh, they can even have you can even bring back the uh, you know like things like Alamo Drafthouse, mm. things like this. Just uh, just kill the AMC's, AMC, Cinemark, uh, Regal, even even though I know that the Segan was a Regal, but just kill them all, kill them all. Okay, uh, they're they're pointless. They're disgusting. They have. Starting to serve liquor and shit now, so the the idiots that are already talking throughout the entire film—they're drunk now. They're talking more. They're talking louder. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah, uh, man. get rid of them. <laughs> That's rough. Um, mm. I don't agree with that. You know, like <laughs> I, w- I would love for for theaters to change and become better places, <laughs> but I, I don't want them all to go away. I like. I don't know. I I like the theater going experience, and I. I don't know. I just don't have, I don't have like the, the population, the, the people disruption issues. I'm, I'm lucky. I don't know. Yeah. You are lucky. If I lived in an, a, a community where mm. it was either, you know, vacant or the people appreciated cinema on a higher level, I don't think I would uh, feel this way, but you know, yeah. I, I'm in Baton Rouge. I don't think I'm going anywhere. And, uh, this is, uh, it's just a nightmare down here. The, the people here are, atrocious and they behave poorly to say the least actually some other films that are being released this way and i should Mm. say also it's only for a month that they'll be on hbo max and then they'll leave hbo max apparently so it's just a month window at the beginning and then until they come out on on, uh Hmm. vod and physical media but another film that's coming out is uh the many saints of newark which is the um sopranos prequel Starring Gandolfini's kid as Gandolfini, which should be interesting. Oh, mm. sure. Oh, and the Space Jam sequel. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How could you forget the Space Jam sequel? Well, my buddy uh, Logan lives in Los Angeles. He's an animator, and he uh, actually is, is working as a as a PA on on the Space Jam sequel. So, oh, it's sort of exciting. I mean, hmm. I, I would have thought the the biggest like potential money maker on this list, besides Wonder Woman, which was probably going to be a billion dollar movie, you know, barring you know, no pandemic, right? Um, it's probably the the Suicide Squad sequel, which is on this list. Which uh, mm-hmm. Suicide Squad was awful and was close to a billion dollar movie, and uh, people because people like James Gunn. Uh, I think people were even more excited about this Suicide Squad. Mm. And it's a hard R, if I'm not mistaken. Haven't they said that? Yeah. 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 I believe, so that is, believe they did. That's exciting. I mean, even though I know the Birds of Prey was an R-rated also. and It, it was, was not exciting. Uh, right. It was panned. Mm. Um, but anyways, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, we'll see what will happen. But I'm I'm assuming that... If this works at all, we'll see a lot of other studios following suit and uh, a lot more shit just going straight to streaming than already is. I mean, I mean, for instance, 
I mean, the amount of shit that's going to straight to streaming right now is out of control. Like today, mm. Fincher's film released, Mank. Oh, is that that is right? Right? Yeah, released today on Netflix, I believe. And uh, and another potential Oscar contender uh, that I'll be talking about later, Sound of Metal, also <laughs> released today on Prime. Mm. So there's just a lot of like really kind of high profile shit that you know probably normally wouldn't uh, be getting straight to streaming releases mm. in a normal year. But anyway, all right, let's uh, move on. Let's talk what we watched. Who wants to begin? I started last week. I can't. I can't have that pressure again. I thought I started last week. Oh, no! no. You know, you know. Let's cancel oh. it. No, we're not, none of us are talking. I'll. No one starts. I'll start. I'll start. No one starts. <laughs> we'll sit here. Wait time. Wait time. Okay, that sounds good. Right. Right. Wait time. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we call it in the teaching. Days. So I rewatched uh, Double Dragon. Uh, not sure why. Uh, probably just because it was on Prime. Um. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> this is one of these movies that I remember watching as a kid and thinking, oh, it's cool. You know, there's fighting and blah, 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 blah. But now, as an adult, I'm like, uh, mediocre graphics. I mean, they're not the worst. They're not like, you know, some of those, like, standard early 90s, uh, just plain old crap. But. Really, really bad story, um, and really just uh, <laughs> uh, some little bit of cultural appropriation going on. But that's not—that's not the problem that this movie has. Um, <laughs> yeah, and apparently in this weird made-up future, uh, karate tournaments there are tag teams, which. I guess that's just how, you know, they work in the uh the two brothers being the fighters that they are. Um but yeah. Uh overall just pretty pretty bad. Pretty 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 bad. You know, this is this is a huge surprise. <laughs> I saw this movie uh mm. a lot when I was a kid. And uh, big fan of Scott Wolf, big fan of uh, the other guy. Who's the guy from John Wick Three and uh, Only the Strong? Oh, Dacascus. Yeah, Mark Dacascus. Yeah, just love these guys when I was a kid, and mm. uh, probably watched this movie a dozen times. Remember nothing about it. Actually, recently I saw a, a video from it on YouTube, and I I had completely forgotten Robert Patrick was in it. I'm not sure I ever mm. knew Robert Patrick was in it, and. Uh, so, yeah, but it's kind of one of those uh, weird, like, Mario Brothers or uh, yeah. Tank Girl, you know? Like, they all kind of, I lump all those movies together, like these just weird, huge, big-budget flops that uh, were marketed off of video games or comic books or whatever before they understood mm. how to make a comic book film successful. Right. Yeah, I mean, Alyssa Milano is worth looking at. Yes. Uh but yeah, that's that's about it. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll go next <laughs> if you don't mind. I've been playing a lot of uh, 
Battlefield Five, which is a World War Two shooter that came out a few years ago, and it's a massive failure. Nobody likes it, but I don't know. Lately, I just got really into it again, and uh, <laughs> so I it got me in the mood to watch some World War Two cinema. So I watched Saving Private Ryan. Did I talk about this last week? No, no, I didn't talk about. Th- okay, good. Thank God. I really thought I, for a second I was like having a panic attack internally, and I was like, "Oh my God, did I already talk about this." <laughs> I watched rewatched Saving Private Ryan, um, directed by Spielberg who won the Academy Award for directing it. And, uh, you know, it's just a really incredibly watchable, if not overlong, uh, sentimental war film that I think, you know, I think he, he maybe his... In- I, I, I think people, critics read the intention of this film wrong. I think people would think of this. I think the the term anti-war film gets bandied about a little bit too much. Mm. If ever there was a pro-war film, Saving Private Ryan is it. Uh, you know, I think critics read it as, oh man, it's so brutal and so realistic and so violent that it has to be that Spielberg's trying to show you the horrors of war. But I don't agree. I think Spielberg gets off on showing graphic <laughs> violence. I mean, he does that shit in movies that have nothing to do with war. You know. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark has graphic violence in it. He likes blood. He likes squibs. He likes to sh- have interesting uh, set pieces that are incredibly graphic and gory, and uh, to do it in a you know maybe a tasteful way. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not an anti-war film. But that's okay um, if you can stomach the idea that this is sort of a almost like a raw raw kind of. Uh, Good for America, go, go us against the Nazis, <laughs> which is fine, you know, because the Nazis are terrible and everything. But uh, uh, if you can stomach the, the the politics of it, I guess, or just kind of uh, not think about it, then uh, it's just like I say, it's just an incredibly watchable, entertaining movie with uh, really solid performances, except for maybe Edward Burns, mm. who uh, he's a little bit uh, that, goofy. I mean, that sounds right. Top. That sounds right for Edward. Yeah. Burns. Yeah. yeah. He's just like he's just such a he's, I'm a New Yorker, you know. Fuck you, man. Fuba. You know, it's just like I can't. I don't buy any of it. And uh, like, yeah, I really can't stand him in the movie. But everybody else is really good. Especially, I just want to sh- just a shout out to the unsung hero performance of this film, Tom Sizemore. What a great performance as the I don't know what he is like the sergeant or something uh, of the platoon. He's like right. He's like right underneath uh, Tom Hanks, mm. and he his and Tom Hanks's banter is just terrific. And uh, every time he's on screen, mm. it's truly magical. And I I just I weep for what could have been had he not gotten into meth so heavily right after this. Is, yeah, I was going to um, ask if this was the last one. It wasn't the last one, but it was yeah, I re- close. He did uh, Black Hawk Down after this. Yeah. I think Black Hawk Down was one of the last ones. That's, that's early 2000s when it really got bad. Do you guys like Black Hawk Down? No. Yeah. I reviewed it recently, actually. Mm. Uh, maybe that's right. six, seven episodes back, and it was, uh, it was unpleasant. No. <laughs> but another that's another example of one of those movies that people probably read as some kind of anti-war sentiment. But really, you can just see it's Ridley Scott just getting off on, you know, action so i i definitely assumed that you would never watch this movie again since you're you know on this podcast part of your persona is is fuck steven spielberg uh, <laughs> my persona <laughs> yeah it is very i don't i don't have i don't that's not a persona. that's persona. a 
It's not curated <laughs> at all because you can ask. You could ask Jonathan, uh, who you know, our former co-host. Jonathan knows I've had it. I've had a thing against Spielberg since I was a teenager. Okay, the guy fucking blows, and I can I can mm. list out the reasons why he blows. But I've never argued that he's not a uh, you know excellent um, practitioner. You know, a t- tactician. Like he knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. He's a very good director. I just don't care for his choices yeah. sometimes. And, and I don't. Uh, and it's, you've never yeah. said that you don't like this movie. I'm just. <laughs> but I, I was wondering if you were to ever watch it again. Yeah. You would see some things you dislike. Which movie? This movie. This movie. I mean, I, I see. I see things I dislike in this movie for sure. But uh, it's just so fun and well made, <laughs> and it gets it gets me so like it gets me so much in the mood to play a video game of, that, of World War Two. <laughs> it really does. I thought you I were mean, going to say it like gets you in the mood to. I just I just want to fucking enlist. You know? No, 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 no. I, I literally, I'm not even kidding. Okay, this is gonna sound insane, and like I made it up, but I'm not. I watched this movie the next day. Okay, because I watched for bed. The next day, I get on Battlefield Five mm. with Jonathan and with our, our friend of the show, Rustin. Okay, we're all three on the game, and I literally played. We all three played for four and a half solid hours, and I've never played a shooter for four and a half solid hours before in my and life, you- even at the height of like modern warfare one and two back in the day and your wives and daughters are just staring at you from across the room like the fuck is going on possibly (laughs) Mm. but i mean it was just so much fun and this this is the kind of movie that gets you in that spirit you know if i watched uh the thin red line which i am planning to rewatch actually at some point very soon I don't think it would get mm. me this pumped up to play a game, you know. Not probably not a game like Battlefield. Right, might exactly. Might play like Journey or yeah. something. Yeah, that's that's the one. <laughs> right. Anyway, 4 out of 5, Saving Private Ryan. That's awesome. Oh, I I I should say also, I I just so I just want this mm-hmm. on the record. I've never realized before until this viewing, okay? At the end of the film, I don't know how much you guys remember from this movie, but in the middle of the movie, uh, when uh, Wade, the the doctor played by Giovanni Ribisi, he gets shot and killed. And the guy who shoots and kills him, they're going to execute him and bury him. And, uh, you know, there's this whole huge um, thing between uh, Edward Burns and Tom Sizemore where they're pointing their guns at each other. And then Tom Hanks defuses the whole situation and lets the prisoner go. And the prisoner comes back at the end of the film and she's the one who shoots Tom Hanks, okay, and kills Tom Hanks, which I've always known. That's fine. But I was always, for some reason, under the impression that there's a scene before that in the massive battle that lasts exactly 30 minutes at the end of the film. Uh, <laughs> the, the, that battle sequence, there's a scene where uh, Adam Goldberg gets killed. He, like, wrestles around with a soldier in a room, and then he gets stabbed by the soldier. And for some reason, I always thought that was that soldier as well but it's not it's two different guys Mm. it just blew my mind watching it this time i know that's not doing anything for you guys but it blew my mind (laughs) watching it i was so i was like are you fucking serious that's not the same like when he showed up at the very end to shoot tom hanks i was like that's not the same fucking actor so i don't know why i always thought that i I don't know but because that would be dumb if it was the same actor who did all three, like that's yes, it's like there's more than one. I agree. <laughs> I know. 
I know. And it makes no sense, too, because the guy who kills Adam Goldberg, he walks down a staircase past Upham, who he knows. He talked to Upham earlier in the execution scene, like they were becoming friendly. And he walks right by him, and he doesn't say a word. So obviously it's not the same guy, because at the very end of the film, when he sees Upham, he mm. says, Upham! He says his name to him, like, hey, don't shoot me, and then Upham shoots him, which is like his you know, loss of innocence or whatever. Yeah. But uh, anyways, that's all. Sorry. <laughs> it's not not a war movie unless we get a nice, clean loss of innocence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like. Delicious. I prefer the loss of innocence in Fury where Brad Pitt forces the uh, Logan Lerman to execute the, the Nazi soldier with the pistol. That's the Stop. best. <laughs> Stop trying to make Fury a thing. Fury is the best. <laughs> it's so good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. Um, yeah, I'll do. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like this was a movie. I was like, I drew. We drew lots, and somehow I got assigned happiest season. Um, but <laughs> that's how I'll justify watching it. Uh, but yeah, so I watched Happiest Season. Um, I think I mentioned before that uh, at, at our house there are there's often Christmas romantic comedies uh, on during this time of the year, and well, um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I like Mackenzie Davis and I like Kristen Stewart, uh, in, you know, in, in their, their work that th- they've taken seriously. This is not one of those movies. You're, you're a twihard. Sorry. Right. You're a twihard. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So this is a, you know, a pretty standard romantic comedy that was meant to be released in theaters was sold to Hulu and, um, is now, amongst a growing crop of mm-hmm. you know crummy harmless uh christmas rom-com movies but this is a like slightly higher pedigree because of the actors involved and uh and the director clea duvall who is a uh you know she was like a prominent 90s indie actress um yeah so so this is uh mckenzie davis drunkenly and you know in in a very good mood invites her her girlfriend Kristen stewart home for the holidays uh and when Kristen Kristen davis when mackenzie davis wakes up uh she realizes her mistake and has to break the news to Kristen stewart that she has never told her uptight conservative family that she's gay uh so stewart she tells her this in the car so stewart can't really go anywhere the decision's already been made uh and stewart will have to stay in a separate room in the house which ends up being a basement uh they will the two will never be allowed to be alone in a room together because, you know, if you're alone in a room for more than five minutes, who knows what they could be getting up to, even though they're just friends. And uh, Davis will have to act like she doesn't like her at all for some reason. Because <laughs> this whole movie is just Mackenzie Davis treating uh, treating Kristen Stewart like shit. And it's just like, why? why is, <laughs> this is not normal behavior for people who are friends with each other. The relationship or not. Uh, but yeah, so we get like some half-hearted hijinks from this and uh davis fights with her competitive sister allison brie and davis's father victor garber is running for mayor and can't have anything go wrong and uh <laughs> mother mary steenbergen just wants everything to go according to her plan she's got a fancy christmas party coming up and you don't fuck it up and um and stewart ends up accidentally connecting with uh davis's ex-girlfriend who is it I don't really understand why she's in the picture and invited to these parties, but uh, 
she's Aubrey Plaza, and um, oh. and the Aubrey Plaza Kristen Stewart scenes have most of us, the people you know, uh, happiest season heads, wondering why Kristen Stewart would want to go back to be with Mackenzie Davis anyway because Aubrey <laughs> Plaza is so great. And then there's also Dan Levy who's around as uh, Stewart's wise and wisecracking mm. best friend um, who gets into his own hijinks. Dan Levy, uh, of course, of that uh, famous show he created, Shit's Creek, which I know people love. I, and I've never seen. Do you guys like Shit's Creek? No, I don't know anything about it. I know that I, I, I remember when it came out thinking that, like, wow, this is a really, like, low-rent piece of shit show. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it's like two years later, it's like, oh, it's winning all the fucking... I feel like it just outlasted all these other shows, and so it's winning all the Emmys now. So, according to Sarah, um, who, who has liked it since the beginning, but she said the increase in quality like sometime in season two is is significant. Like uh, She said it started off funny and fine, and it got great. And I've heard that opinion echoed in other places, but um, whatever. I'll maybe I'll watch that show one day. I won't. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh so I don't know, happy season. Clea Duvall is trying to have it both ways, kind of fitting this into a typical holiday rom com, but trying to like create some legitimate domestic drama with this emotionally repressed family and the toxic relationship habits that all of the family members have developed with other people in their lives. And uh it doesn't really work and it, I'm not saying like that this sort of, you know, go for, for broad romantic comedy can't work with the, uh, the serious stuff, but it, I think the casting is really weird. Um, like Mackenzie Davis, Aubrey Plaza and Chris Stewart are all very good at specific things. And those specific things all involve some level of like underplaying and under emoting and, and being very sarcastic. Uh, so when, any one of them has to like go big uh as the rom-com demands it it just doesn't work it's like you're going for like good acting and that's not what we need here and, like i really like allison brie um mm. in general and like her scenes where she has to freak out are, are better because she can she can take those swings and it, it i don't know it makes sense same with like mary steenbergen um yeah they're just they're better at going bigger and that might be like being on tv comedies where they get to do that forever but yeah the uh those three those three women i like a lot just wasn't really working i'm hearing a lot of good things about it outside (laughs) of you actually yeah well i mean like you probably heard good things about on the rocks also and you know so who do you who do you plaza no i down fair fair enough Look, this isn't. It's not. This is not the worst movie you've ever seen, and it's it's better than most movies of this <laughs> ilk, and it's oh, better okay. than. Um, what did did we mention like Holiday recently? Um, yeah, yeah, like it's better. It's oh, better than that. <laughs> now, who hmm, is the uh, better looking <laughs> out of Mackenzie Davis and Aubrey Plaza? <laughs> I don't you know I mean that's I don't know mm. I, for something something about me always goes tall I don't know why I'm looking at Davis now and I'm just like I forgot all about her but she was in that movie Tully Yeah 
I remember thinking she was good looking and Tully. Oh yeah, she's in a Terminator movie too. I forgot about that. Uh, you, uh, you don't need to. Her Terminator performance yeah. is not worth watching that movie. Um, <laughs> but I mean, she has the like. She can be very wiry, and uh, she is very tall, uh, and quite you know she was muscular in that movie. She was a believable uh, Terminator character. What's wrong with that? I'd probably go Plaza for looks and Mackenzie Davis for personality, even though I know nothing about her personality. Um, I can't stand Aubrey Plaza's personality. So <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you can't go wrong. They're they're great. All right, Kev. So I rewatched uh, the first two Thor movies because I've seen Ragnarok a couple of times, and uh, I maintain that it's Marvel's best. As it's it's still the funniest, at least for me. Um, but the, the first two Thor movies, they're not bad. They're not great, but they're not bad. There's decent stuff going on in them. And, uh, uh, the second one has Christopher Eccleston, which is always a nice thing. Um, even though he's not in it nearly enough for my taste, but, uh, yeah, they're fun, worth, worth watching movies, but then when you get into the Iron Man movies, it's a totally different kind of thing. Uh, I really didn't like any of the three of them. Uh, the first and the third one are probably the better ones, but I don't know. Like like They're when Iron Man shit. three, I mean basically, like when Iron Man three came out, I was like, oh, Shane Black's involved. You know, it's gonna be like. Uh, Predator, Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and then it's like, not. You get tricked. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with like, uh, you know, I mean, this is like way back in the day when the first Thor came out, and I was like, oh, Kenneth Branagh, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's gonna be something. And then it's like, nah, no. anybody else could have directed this. We, yeah, we knew from the very uh, beginning that yeah. these would be mostly free of personality. <laughs> True. Yeah, uh, yeah, little excursion into Marvel, uh, just to just to see. Uh, I think that's pretty much all the Marvel movies I'm gonna watch for the, I don't know, foreseeable. Cause I mean, I I'm sure I will watch uh, Thor: Love and Thunder when it comes out, but you know that's like probably two or three years down the line now. So you you really just did the the Iron Mans and Thors. And now you're done? Yeah, pretty much. I, there's only like one movie out of those six. One good movie. <laughs> Actually, JR, I beg to differ. There are no okay. good movies out of those six. <laughs> Marvel's the worst. Anyway, uh, I, uh, I watched um, Castle Keep which is a uh, sort of like obscure Sidney Pollock-directed, again, World War II, just really in a World War II mood the other day. But this actually took me out of it because this is a horrible film. Uh, it stars uh, Burt Lancaster and Peter Falk and the captain of the boat on uh, Under Siege. I can't remember his name. And uh, it's also got Bruce Dern in a small role, which is fun. And some other people that, you know, you might know if you're really into 60s and 70s movies. Um, It's just like, it's based on a novel, and I guess like it's some kind of, you know, 
it, it just feel, it was made in 1969, okay, and it feels like very um, of its time, like they were trying to inject hippie ideas and shit into this World War II narrative, and it just doesn't work at all. Oh, Scott Wilson's in it. I forgot about that. He's all right in it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of really like goofy and uh, trying to be comedic and weird points. And there are some like mild surrealistic elements in it that I thought were going to be cool because when it starts, it's there's this really interesting um, sequence where the soldiers are riding towards this uh, castle where the whole film takes place. And they come across a woman with like this really vibrant uh, yellow cloak on riding a horse. I was like, this is just weird. Like, you know, these are very like, uh, you know, the juxtaposition is, is bizarre, but it's, you know, kind of interesting. And then, you know, it's just the woman who lives at the castle. And <laughs> there's all this like weird sexual intrigue between her and Burt Lancaster. And he's like three times her age. It's really gross. And uh, I don't know. I Look, and this is my, this is going to offend Kevin. So Kevin just uh, uh, earmuffs or whatever. There, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have, little pictures. Uh, look, I'll say this: I have not seen a lot of Burt Lancaster films, but the films I have seen with him, I, I, I'm not on board yet. Like he is, he is not great in this or anything that I've seen him in. And uh, to be fair, like obviously, you know, yes, like you don't, you don't need to name all the great films that he's I'm done. About that I haven't seen. I'm about. I'm just kidding. You, you know, you don't need to. <laughs> I know. Well, I was going to name two, but I know yeah. "Sweet Smell of Success" and uh, "The Swimmer." Right? I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I will see these films eventually. But the limited amount of films that I've seen by him, I'm just, I, I'm, uh, his performances are phoned in at best. And it's possible that I'm watching these films from sort of like later in, not really later in his career, but I mean, you know, he's older in them and uh, late 60s and 70s films. And uh, he's hmm. certainly not giving, doing what I imagine his best work is. And uh, so I, I actually, I actually did. Uh, I think I added "Sweet Smell of Success" to my um, watch list because I do want to see something that he's, you know, sort of renowned for. And uh, but yeah, this is not it. And I mean, like, you know, I'm a, I love Peter Falk. Like, who doesn't love Peter Falk? And he's not even good in this. Mm. So it's <laughs> like, you know, he has his moments in it. Like, yeah. he's doing his best with the material, but it's just so, it's just such a strange, like, a needlessly strange film. Uh, that goes nowhere mm-hmm. and has this massive action sequence at the end that's somehow incredibly loud and chaotic, but also boring. And uh, I'll also say this: I mean, not to just dump on Lancaster because, again, don't not not as familiar with him as I should be. But Sidney Pollock, I have seen a lot of films from his, his directing mm-hmm. wise, and I, I, I'm ready to say he's not a good director. Like he does not know what he's doing, or he did not know what he was doing. <laughs> Actually, that's what I was going to ask you about because, like, I remember I've only seen Jeremiah Johnson once. I remember thinking it was pretty good, Me but too. I also remember thinking, like, okay, he's like really trying to be Stanley Kubrick, I, like with the overtures and then with the entracte in the middle, and I, I don't know, I I didn't see how those things fit into this like survivalist sort of western film yeah i'll be honest i don't i don't um, remember hardly anything about jeremiah johnson except liking it i remember liking it but but hmm. the other films that i've seen from him uh the th- the one that springs to mind immediately is the yakuza which is a robert mitchum film that he made 
which I mm. really was looking forward to seeing, and and because uh, I had heard great things about it, and it was just so just it was like this. It was just boring and weirdly humorous at times, and I don't know. He's got a really strange uh, style, I suppose, or or strange taste with what he wants to include. Now there is a movie I want to see really bad mm. that he directed that I haven't gotten around to yet, which is called uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They. And I do want to see that. I've been meaning to see that for a while, and I just haven't got around to checking it out. But when you see movies like Castle mm. Keep uh, and others that he's uh, done that aren't good. He, uh, oh, uh, he, he did another one with Lan- Lancaster that I talked about on the show not too long ago. Lancaster and uh, Ozzie Davis. Um, I can't remember what it's called. as a Western. The Scalp Hunters? horrible also. Yeah, The Scalp Hunters. It's god-awful. Oh, <laughs> And again, again, just like weirdly like a pseudo comedy, but like, you know, not funny at all. Like just brutal. You know? Yeah. I, I don't really understand Pollock, but I also, it's like he's mm. either doing something stylistically weird or he's just being like competent Hollywood guy. You know, like, like in the right. 80s when he's doing mm. Tootsie and, and Out of Africa and, you know, you're just like making things mm. that are getting nominated for all the Oscars. It's. It's not like a ton of style. I, well, I don't remember there being a ton of style in those movies. I just remember them being like, he's like, I'm going to, let's, let's point and shoot this story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like him as the doctor in uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Right. And, this is the best thing you ever I don't did. know. I, I still haven't seen Jeremiah Johnson, and I want to. But I know. It's on my list of possible deep dives. I do mm. like, uh, I do like they shoot horses, don't, horses, don't they? I really want to check it out. Yeah. It just sounds like a really good idea for a, or an interesting idea rather for a film. So, but anyways, and I remember liking Tootsie, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's more of a obvious comedy, right. so it doesn't need you know so much else. Yeah, I I, I didn't mean to insult uh, Tootsie, um, because <laughs> I I don't dislike Tootsie at all. I do mm. dislike Out of Africa. Mm. All right. Have you seen? Um, have you seen? Uh, didn't he do Havana? Yeah, I. I've not yeah. seen Havana. I. The only film uh, from his '90s that I've seen is uh, The Firm, which I also don't care for. Yeah, I never mm. never saw The Firm. Always kind of wanted to, but then I I don't know. Recently, I've been less and less intrigued. But uh, mm. I do think it's uh, I, the, some movies that, that do intrigue me, like that I might be interested in. Like I like to see Bobby Deerfield at some point. I don't know why. It's just like seems really like a weird choice for Pacino. And I've always wanted to see Havana, but I, I could. The only reason I want to see Havana, I'll be honest, is because it was mentioned in Seinfeld. And I, every time I see that episode and they mention Havana, I'm just like, <laughs> I have no idea. I've never seen Havana. I feel like I should see it. Was, <laughs> I don't know why. Did right. Havana have a, a cultural moment in the early nineties or is it just a weird no, no, joke? No, no. It, it was it was the joke was uh Elaine returns a videotape to uh Jerry and he's like, Oh, thanks a lot. Two weeks late now it cost me a hundred dollars to see Havana. <laughs> so it's almost yeah. oh, almost yeah. a slight really, but I don't know. I just for some reason it's always that's always stuck with me and I'm like, What is Havana? Like nobody ever talks about Havana. It's just this completely forgotten Robert Redford, you well, know? Well, I mean, I'm looking up that it's mm. two and a half hours long, so that's... All of his fucking movies are two and a half hours long. The Firm is <laughs> yeah. two and a half hours long. It's fucking insane. How long... Well, that is yeah. the insane part of The Firm. How long was uh, was Castle Keep? Uh, let's see. 
105 okay. minutes, only an hour 45. But it honestly, it felt like two and a half hours. It's brutal. Mm. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i looking. They Shoot Horses, Don't They is two hours and ten minutes. I don't remember it being that long, but that sounds like a long movie uh, based on that plot of everyone has to keep dancing. Right. <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson is an hour 48, so, you know, that's solid. Right, let's do the, Yeah, let's do that one. Not right now. Not Next right time now. it's my turn, maybe. <laughs> maybe it'll be the uh, the punishment film this week. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to the punish. I, the punishment film oh, gave yeah. me uh, it gave me a lot of mixed feelings. Not about the film itself, which was awful, uh, as we knew it would be. But yeah. Um, yeah. the the way that the punishment works and the possibilities of like what could happen with that punishment, I was I was very much like, do I want like do I now just want to be competitive and win so I don't have to watch this shit? But also like there's <laughs> you know like that random movie roulette had like fourteen thousand movies on it or whatever like it's not all, it's, okay, sorry yeah it's not always going to be like this absolute piece of shit because uh, there's a lot of right. good movies on there and a lot of movies I want to but see you, but you you right and you brought up a good point though that it could also be not just a piece of shit movie but a piece <laughs> of shit movie that you've seen incredibly recently. Or something mm. like that, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like you you brought up Suicide Squad. Like the idea of having to rewatch Suicide Squad is a nightmare. Look, yeah, and but I, I do want to reiterate that I am committed to the bit, and I will do the homework that I am assigned. Um, the bit. Uh, Fair it, enough. Yeah. All right. Let me let me talk about a movie. Sure. This is a, this is a really is a big one. I'm just kidding. I didn't watch uh. I didn't watch anything good. Uh, no, so so after the happiest season, um, my wife said I'm going to bed, and I'm watching the credits, and Hulu is suggesting its other own product, totally under control, and I'm like, I mean, I'm never gonna watch it otherwise. <laughs> it's just, right. All I gotta do is just click click next, and it'll start. Uh, so I watched uh, Totally Under Control, the new or newish uh, Alex Gibney doc. Uh, the guy who puts out, you know, roughly seven documentaries per year. Um, and, you know, I don't know. He's, Gibney is is just fine um, in general. You know, he's going to have talking heads. Things are going to feel like they're researched. Uh, there's typically, you know, like a standard running time of an hour, 40 minutes to two hours where... You know, it's just like that right amount of engaging and like usually doesn't feel too long. Um, and this one is, is more of the same. And there's not a, a ton of new info if you've been following um, life <laughs> for the past, you know, eight months. Um, the, like the, the only like bit of something I really learned was uh, there's this thing about Jared uh, Kushner. Kushner? What? what? Am I missing an R? Kushner. Thank you, Kushner. Uh, he like was put in charge of uh, getting PPE supplies to hospitals, and what he did was create a team of untrained volunteers. Like all these volunteers just thought they would be show up to do um, like data entry stuff, uh, and then they learned that they were the people who'd be in charge of um, talking to like foreign. Uh, suppliers and factories and put in charge of ordering these large shipments of PPE for hospitals around the country. Um, none of them had any experience in doing that. And uh, that was fascinating. But um, 
I don't know. Otherwise, Gibney's narrating this with such like a, a partisan language that ensures that this only ever preaches to, to, you know, to the choir he wants to preach to. And um, I understand we're in a place where, you know, two political sides don't really try to speak to each other anyway, but it just, it, I was like, you don't need to talk to me like this. I'm already on your team. Um, right. And then uh, one thing that was interesting the first time he did it and then got annoying was Gibney uh, takes special care to show us how he and the crew conducted interviews safely. Like he, they basically construct this giant wall of, of plastic and um, just barriers with a little hole uh, for the camera so that the person being interviewed is basically just talking to this ugly wall of sheet plastic with a little hole for a camera. And, um, you know, I understood that he wanted to show us this, so he doesn't invite criticism of being like hypocritical, like criticizing this, uh, the seriousness of the disease and how an administration didn't take it seriously while he's not taking it seriously, but, uh, he is taking it seriously because he made sure that for each interview interviewee, he, um, each subject, he like shows us part of like the setup of them getting like into, into place in front of this wall this barrier of plastic and i was just like you don't you don't have to keep we get it you don't have to keep showing us the way you did this i feel like that was might have been in the trailer as well i've I've seen the image before of of, uh the setup that's yeah unnecessary so but i'm not i'm not a gibney fan and you don't uh, need to be yeah yeah he's 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 way too prolific uh to be any good so (laughs) Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. I'm trying to, I don't know. I I, I know people really liked basically his first one, the Enron one, um, mm-hmm. but I've never seen that one. I think Maya Maxima Culpa was uh, supposed to be pretty good. The um, Silence in the House of God, okay. the uh, about child abuse in the Catholic Church. Oh wait, did you you didn't like Going Clear, correct? You know, I uh, knee jerk reaction when I watched it, I kind of. I guess I fell for it, and I did kind. Of, I think I gave it a kind of a high rating. Okay. But yeah, thinking about it after, um, I I felt like it was you know, kind of a uh, empty criticism of of something that's very easy to be critical of. And uh, when I watched something like my Scientology movie, which is the um, Louis, uh, whatever his yeah. fuck his name I, is, what's that guy? I don't name? know, but I remember you talking about it. <laughs> yeah. That one's uh, much better, much better done, and uh, you know you get the actual experience of what you know those this organization does to people and things like that. So I thought it worked really well. Louis Theroux, is who I'm starting to think of, but um, yeah. So not a Gibney fan, not at all. I think I watched his. Uh, I might have watched his, um, the one about the bicycle guy also. Who's that guy? I don't know. Has testicle removed. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> he was, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doping. Yeah, <laughs> the bicycle yeah, guy. I can't. I'm sorry. Well, the guy, the Tour de France guy. Yeah. Kev. So, Thanksgiving Day, uh, my brother was watching Stray Dog, so I joined him in, and realized like, uh, yeah, I need more Kurosawa in my life. So, yes. yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So, Stray Dog is about a young policeman who loses his gun, and then he's tr- 
spends the movie trying to get it back so that nefar- the nefarious criminal doesn't commit crimes with uh, a police-issued gun. And like I love the back and forth between uh, Takashi Shimura and Toshiro Mifune. Like, it's funny, too, because... Shimura is only like nine years older than Mifune, but he seems like this like super like aged and wise sage. And uh, my brother and I talked about this maybe being like the first buddy cop movie. And you know it's uh, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. So I think it I think it uh, I think it deserves that. Um. But yeah, uh, it also and it made me want to watch. Like, I finally decided to take the plunge and see all thirty of Kurosawa's feature films. Oh my god! Yeah, which uh, like, <laughs> so before I got sick, I like looked at everything that the library had and had had as much as of it as I could sent over to me, but I wasn't able to get it all. So basically, it's just time to finally subscribe to the Criterion channel. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna say yeah, they have a ton of shit mm. on there. They uh, like uh, they have a lot of his really early stuff yeah. on there. I've added it all to my queue and not watched any of it yet. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will eventually. Yeah, I, I've actually seen like a lot of it. Like, um, well, I live in fear and uh, the idiot and. You know, uh, stuff like that. But it's funny, like you, the the way uh, in the Criterion thing that it's on, like you know, it's like er, the first films of Kurosawa, post-war Kurosawa. It's like okay, he did all this, and then he started doing like you know Rashomon and Seven Samurai, Ikiru. But no, it's like you know, like there's peaks and peaks and valleys, I guess. Like some of the some of these movies were made between like Rashomon and Seven Samurai, and you know the his like major important works. Yeah, I you know I'd push back on there being like super low valleys, but in terms of quality, yeah. Uh, but they they're certainly lesser known or have mm. way less of right. an international <laughs> stature. You know, I don't, know. don't yeah don't like avoid you you've seen the idiot don't avoid the idiot. Maybe it's good. Okay, so I watched... I did like a Abel Ferreira double feature. I watched his first film and his most recent film. I watched Driller Killer from 1979, which isn't, I guess, technically his first film because he did some porno work before then. But uh, this is his first kind of, uh, you know, I guess, act like they consider it his first feature. And uh, it was okay. I didn't love it. Um, it's definitely, you know, suffering from its budget and things like that, but that's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't impugn it for that at all. And Abel Ferreira is the star of it and he stars as a struggling artist who is, um, turns himself into a serial killer with a drill, (laughs) (laughs) which I actually loved. I like the idea of, uh, like he sees this commercial for a battery pack that he can wear in a belt. So he can drill anywhere, and then like he goes and buys the battery pack, and like that's how it starts. 
<laughs> and I love that. It's just such a random, stupid thing. Mm. And uh, and then he starts going around the city murdering homeless people. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of good violence and stuff. And Ferreira is, he's the unsung hero of cinematic violence. He's got a lot of good good violence in his films. But, um, you know, it just didn't, it wasn't, it didn't blow my mind or anything. But it was certainly, you know, it's certainly a passable uh, first feature. Mm. It's a little, Which, a little too punk rock for you. I know. I knew you were going to say some shit about that. I mean, it, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it's you know, it definitely has like a punk rock aesthetic, and it's got. I mean, part some of the characters are are punk rock band members, and all that's cool. Uh, and I understand, you know, the idea of this artist. You know, the the punk rock idea, the nihilistic kind of, you know, just starts murdering people. Right? I mean, I get it. It's just, I don't know didn't blow my mind i like uh miss 45 a lot better so but uh i led me to tomaso which is his most recent film starring willem dafoe and uh willem dafoe plays a fictionalized version of abel ferreira opposite abel ferreira's wife and kid and uh it's pretty insane because (laughs) (laughs) i know uh, jr watched this as well it's pretty nuts because I don't know how you felt about this, Jared, but in the in like the early early part of the film, Will Willem Dafoe, it, like he's almost having like actual sex with Abel Ferreira's wife, like she's touching <laughs> his dick and stuff. Yeah, it's like really extreme, and I was mm. just like, this guy is this guy is hardcore Ferreira. I mean, you know, just lets this kind of thing happen. He seems just, like he'd be the like, kind of guy who would just get super pissed about something like that, or but just, he's you know gets orchestrating off on it. it. Maybe, mm. maybe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's about uh, this filmmaker who living living in Rome who's working on his next film, which I don't know if you realize it or not, JR, but the, the script that he's writing in the film is actually the script for uh, Siberia, the new, the next film from Ferrero, starring yeah. Willem Dafoe. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to, to find that, see if it was available anywhere. I, I could not. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it hasn't been released yet, but I, I'm looking forward to it. It seems interesting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I like the film. I thought it was uh, really maybe a little self indulgent, obviously by the very nature of what it is. But I, I enjoyed some of the more strange elements in it, like the scene when he goes and he hangs out with those immigrants in the park and he pulls his own heart out of his chest. <laughs> that shit was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I really like that a lot. And then there's a scene at the end where, uh, Defoe gets to revisit his last temptation of Christ days. And, uh, you know, just a really like a lot, a lot of solid imagery in the movie. And, uh, I enjoyed Defoe's performance a lot. I really liked, you know, what was interesting to me. I mean, I, I'm just taking in this all and assuming it's, it, is this is the way it actually is because obviously I mean I'm assuming Ferrera lives in Rome I guess with his family and uh, when they go to like when people go to get espresso in Rome they just go and drink espresso at the counter like they order it at the counter they drink it at the counter and then they leave like yeah, that's, they, don't, they don't pay for it just go no they <laughs> that's not <laughs> what I mean I just mean it's like weird they don't t- you know I mean I get it's like one sip sort of thing but like you don't take it to go or you don't sit down like you just drink it right there at the counter and like the next person in line waits while you drink it it's just so strange I would I would assume there is a lot about Europe and specifically Italy's coffee culture that we would not understand mm. yeah fair enough I mean coffee. it just seems like obviously you know it's completely unusual compared to 
our kind of uh, lackadaisical, you know, or I mean, but, I mean, all, but also just like we're we're more like move, move, move. You know, I know like, that, but it's but it's uh, the, the way they're doing it seems like move, 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 sort of because they're drinking it like on like right there at the counter, you know, like they don't take it and like savor it; they drink it right there at the counter, and then they, hey, thanks a lot, ciao, and then they leave. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, they probably, you know, we are definitely more of like a, I need to order my coffee before I get there and then pick it up, make sure it's ready when I get there, so I can pick that shit up and mm. get to where I'm going. And not enjoy it at all because it's literally just gasoline to make me wake up more in the morning. Right. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, this was a uh, yeah. This this movie had a lot of cool scenes. Um, I was I was very happy that that I watched it. Uh, I, I don't know. Has there been a Willem Dafoe Abel Ferreira collaboration that's just sucked so far? I don't I don't think so. No. I four forty four. Four forty four. You hate four forty four. Yeah, that kind, of, that kind of sucked. Shit. I actually watched <laughs> a great little uh, on Mubi. I don't know if you saw it. Mubi. I actually watched it on a YouTube, but it was produced by Mubi. It was like an essay, video essay about King of New York and four forty four, and it was talking about Abel Ferreira's idea of manhood and like what his men are like in his in his films, and it was comparing Willem Dafoe to Christopher Walken in those two films and it actually made me really want to revisit 444 it made it look really good (laughs) even though i remember being like this is i remember like being you know like appreciating it but not really enjoying watching it at all but uh i don't know might have to check it out again might be time Mm. might be time for a deep dive jr Mm. get ready (laughs) all right is it is it me is it my turn yeah, it's your turn. All right, let's let's do this. Um, went over to uh, to Amazon Prime and I watched uh, "Come to Daddy," which is uh, an Elijah Wood thriller that was released uh, virtually earlier this year. And I, you know, all I had seen about it was um, was Elijah Wood's really weird haircut, and I had heard it was bizarre. So I was like, you know what, that's enough. That's, that's enough for me to, to check this out. And, uh, you know, it is bizarre. And Elijah Wood does have that weird haircut the whole time. And <laughs> you keep wondering why they went with this look. But, you know, I guess it's not too distracting. But uh, Elijah Wood tries to reconnect with his uh, estranged father, whom he hasn't seen in 30 years. Um, he receives a letter from his father inviting him to come stay at his uh, secluded Oregon Coast home. Uh, but when... Elijah gets there. Uh, Daddy doesn't seem very pleased to see him, even though apparently he was invited. And, uh, you know, things start slow. Like, um, his dad is played by Stephen McCaddy. Uh, they just kind of, like, chill out in this house, talking, uh, establishing a very, like, contentious vibe. They're both weird assholes. Uh, they're not getting along. A lot of passive-aggressive things are, are said. And, um, and, you know, Stephen McCaddy's just cranking up the weird guy vibes up to 11. And, uh, and then things get like really weird. And, uh, you know, that weirdness is welcome because now we're like a half hour in and we're wondering when the fuck this is going to start. Um, but what develops and happens isn't like, I don't think it's as clever or funny or as shocking as, uh, director Ant Timpson, Ant Timpson seems to, to think. Like this movie seems very proud of itself for what it what it uh, 
what happens in it and you know it's like that's that's fine aunt aunt timson but <laughs> it's like this this could have been it could have been wilder it could have been more shocking it could have been more violent everything could have been cranked up a little bit more uh if he really wanted to be proud of himself and uh it wastes uh, a martin donovan performance and i i just don't ever agree with with that when it happens <laughs> Yeah, that's Stephen McCaddy. He's a real Svengali. <laughs> eh? Svengali. What'd I say? Svengali. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Kevin. It's to you. All right. Uh, let's see. So I rewatched the Sin City movies, just been uh, comics. And uh, the first one... The first one is easily the best, although, like, so getting into it, like, the, the, Michael Madsen, oh, nice. Check it out. Very See nice. That? No. What? What's happening? Sin City. Yeah. Sin City. I have oh, a framed okay. sex and violence issue. Sorry. I actually have three Sin City comics framed okay. on my wall right now, but I won't pull them yeah. down. Yeah, so anyway, so yes, I enjoyed reading Sin City. Like, um, I, re- I really like hard-boiled, um, and, you know, it doesn't get much more hard-boiled than Sin City. Um, Except for hard-boiled, the movie. That's true. Right. The John Woo film. Very hard boiled, not hard boiled at all, actually. But go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was a little hesitant at first because Michael Madsen, like the way he's delivering some of the uh, some of the lines, is just like so fucking bad. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, like you're pushing sixty and you got a bum ticker. Well, it's, I mean, that's the dialogue, right? It's the dialogue, but. But does it the have delivery to be? is the problem. <laughs> does it have to be? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Just, just kidding. I, I like the movie. Yeah, I remember yeah. thinking. Uh, yeah, because like Bruce Willis in the same scene is like so natural and like it right. just kind of flows from his performance. But then you got Michael Madsen, who like it's just that scene though. The rest of it, it's like very normal and more natural. Um, but yeah. Um, and I actually liked Clive Owen's performance in this, which I was surprised at. Cause oh, I, I like him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have a history of not liking Clive oh, Owen's Clive stuff. Owen's great. So. You're, you're insane. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, at least not about that. <laughs> Anywho, how? Uh, so, yeah, the first one, really good. Second one, pretty bad. Like, there's... There's some the the whole thing with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's not really that good. Um, and then you got uh, Christopher Lloyd's like five minute cameo. He is just so like bad in this. You know, like old man who's apparently a heroin addict and the only one who can fix up the wounds that. Gordon Levitt has. Uh, and then this whole long extended revenge sequence with uh, Nancy and Powers Booth. Uh, yeah, just just not good. Mickey Rourke is terrible in the second one. He's in the second I one? I remember. Yeah, he's horrible. I, w- 
I remember hating him. I don't know. I I don't know. Like I thought not as good as the first one, but I wouldn't say he was terrible. But I could see how you would think that. Right. It's like um, a nine year difference between the two films. I mean, mm. they're all everybody's so much older. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I didn't realize it was like a direct sequel situation with or prequel or whatever it is with same actors. I didn't I didn't realize there was carryover. Mm. Carryover. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a direct sequel, but there's carryover. Yeah, I mean like uh like within the comics, like there's uh it's kind of a the timeline goes back and forth, but um <coughs> But yeah, I mean it works functions as sequel and prequel. So Okay. Yeah, it's not yeah. any good. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the second one's not not any good. Right. The, the first, first one is the worth first watching. It's completely serviceable and very enjoyable and uh you know, it's not the masterpiece work of art that I thought it was when I saw it mm. four times over two days <laughs> oh the weekend God. the weekend it came out. <laughs> but it's certainly a good movie and enjoyable. I yeah. On the other hand, uh, I decided to go for a, something with a little uh, less cachet. As you all know, I've uh, been listening to a tremendous amount of Stern, especially mm. recently, and uh, Stern's former. Sit-in co-host Artie Lang has a little movie that he worked on while he was on the Stern Show called Beer League, oh my God. and I've never seen it. So I was like, "Gotta watch Beer League," and directed by Frank <laughs> Sebastiano, his only directorial effort because this movie was a horrible failure. Um, stars Artie Lang and Ralph Macchio, and uh, I'll tell you, this movie is not well made. It's not well directed. <laughs> the acting isn't terrific, except for Seymour, Seymour Cassell is in it. He's amazing, obviously. This movie is so fucking funny. Like, I laughed so hard watching this movie. And uh, just really uh, not politically correct humor, as you might imagine, if you know anything about Artie Lang and his humor. But uh, just a real blast of a of a time watching this uh, eighty eight minute <laughs> comedic gym. <laughs> Not something that you know you're gonna be like, wow, this is one of the great comedies of all time. But just very, very, very funny. I really I enjoy Artie Lang's delivery and uh, his sense of humor. And uh, I don't know, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Like I say, very poorly made. Not good but very funny so Mm. this is i mean this might be one of like the all-time like weird um two movies released in the same year situations this came out like right around the same time as uh whatever that beer beer olympics movie was i don't know that beer fest oh beer fest um, oh the one with uh mm. Matt Damon has a cameo in it, right? No, no, Does I'm thinking he? of Euro Trip. No, it's the it's from the it's it's the fucking uh Broken Lizard? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I never saw that. I don't know. I don't not a comedy guy, you know, normally I don't seek out comedies. I find watching comedies alone to be uh ineffective and depressing. So I have to watch <laughs> them with like friends of mine and but you know, mm. none of my friends want to watch any any movies, so 
Well, these were, but, uh, I mean, I you know. this was 2006. This was my, these movies came out the summer between my senior year and my first semester of college. Like these were, these were marketed to me. So I was, I never mm. saw beer league, but I was very aware of it. And well, to be fair, to be fair, this movie is not about beer at all. No, I, I it's, know. <laughs> it's a softball <laughs> film. They play softball, slow pitch softball, as they keep reminding the audience throughout the film. Uh, you know, hard to strike out in slow pitch softball, and then constantly people are striking out because they're drunk, because uh, everybody's you know getting hammered before the game and stuff, Gosh, and doing coke and all sorts of other shit. And but uh, you know, I, I I don't know, just a lot of fun, just really funny, and Ralph Macchio is in there trying his best. God bless him, and uh, you know, it's enjoyable. Check it out. Give it a shot. It's on Prime. It's essentially free. Is it? <laughs> You're already paying for Prime. Just watch it. Uh, it's got Joe Low Trulio in it. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah right. that guy's funny. He's in uh, yeah. all the uh, Brooklyn you know, Jason Siegel and yeah, Brooklyn yeah. Nine Nine, all that shit. Reno Nine One One. He's not. He's he's in it quite a bit too. He's one of the teammates of uh, oh. Marty. I think he's I think he's on the poster actually. No, he's not on the poster, but he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not on the poster. He's not. Seymour Cassell is, though. He's funny in it. So, oh. anyways, check it out. Don't be a snob. Watch <laughs> Beer League. Ooh. <laughs> Go ahead, JR. Okay. Um, do I want to talk about anything else? I, yeah. I got, right. I've got at least one more, so. Yeah. Okay. I watched... Uh, one more uh, 2020 release. This one's also on Hulu. I watched uh, Bad Hair, which is a um, you know a horror comedy from um, Justin Simeon, who is best known for the Dear White People movie and series. And uh, this is about like a low-level employee trying to climb the ladder at Culture, which is a it is a fictional. BET style network in like the late eighties. Um, that network has a new, a new boss, a new overseer, James Vanderbeek and, uh, some new middle management in the very cold former supermodel, Vanessa Williams. And, um, I mean, the name of this comes from, uh, you know, like Williams trying to rehabilitate the culture and the, or the image at culture inside and out and uh that means um cultivating an image with the employees um she suggests that our main character l or played by l lorraine uh should probably get rid of her natural hairstyle in favor of a new expensive weave and uh lorraine takes that advice gets a new expensive weave and that weave is literally uh murderous it kills people. Um, and this is the same basic horror setup and plot as I would call a much better movie uh, called In Fabric, uh, a British horror mm. movie about a killer uh, dress that came out in 2019. Uh, but, you know, if the horror doesn't work super well in this uh, bad hair, the like layer of dark comedy does. That works. It is uh, pretty funny. And, um, you know, there's also like this over obvious metaphor, uh, involving the weave and, um, 
you know, trying to change who you are to, uh, I don't know, to appease, we'll say white people or yeah, that's basically it. Uh, mm. you know, I don't know. This, this is fine. It is entertaining. Um, James Vanderbeek is a competent asshole. Uh, Jay Farrow's in here and gets, uh, gets some laughs. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, not much else to say. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Fair enough. Mm. Yeah, I think I'll this... I'll make sure I never see it. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I think this is definitely, like, I don't know, from what from what JR is telling me, it's it's not as good, but I think this could have, like, the same sort of message to it that, say, like, it Get Out did. Because, like, you know, like, from what, from what I understand, like, um, you know natural hair and like that kind of thing is a very it's a very like serious and potentially divisive issue in that community so i mean i don't know we we probably won't get as much out of it watching it as maybe black people will so yeah i I would suspect that is true yeah and you know i i I also probably get uh, less out of it because I, I didn't grow up watching a shit ton of BET, mm. and you know I don't have much of a history with uh, Vanessa Williams, who um, mm. you know has had periods of being very famous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eraser. Yeah. Am I, am I right? <laughs> Did I ever see Eraser? I don't know. Ooh, you missed out, buds. One of the best Arnold films. And that's saying something. That's actually probably the last good Arnold film. Really? In 96. Yeah. yeah, what else came after that? Garbage. End of Days, which was garbage. Mm. The movie is <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's it. That is, I'm, I'm ready to say it. That's his last good movie. <laughs> okay. That's it. Until he, makes, until he makes King Conan and John Milius returns oh, right. to direct. <laughs> right. From the dead? He's not dead. He's not dead. John Millius isn't he had a, dead. He had, a, he had a stroke. I don't think he died. Shit. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, John Millius. <laughs> well, Jr., are you ready to talk about birds? Do it. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Do we? I mean, do we want to to do John's last one and then end with birds? Do it. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, that'll be better. Okay. Sure. Um, I just want to briefly mention that I watched uh, uh, Sound of Metal that was released today. Um, it's directed by Darius Mard- Martyr. Uh, it's apparently his first film, although I want to say I saw that he directed a documentary. Yeah, he did a documentary called Loot back in 2008, which sounds really interesting, actually. But um, this is a movie that I was reading about. It It was apparently set up, and uh, the story came up. Uh, the person who came with the story was Derek Cianfrance, who uh, did Blue Valentine and... Um, place beyond the pines and recently the hbo miniseries uh i know this much is true and uh he apparently had come up with this and gone so far as to make the film he had made a film of this back in the uh first decade of this millennium and uh was in post-production and couldn't get it wrapped up for whatever reason Mm. and he gave this guy darius martyr his blessing to uh write a new film and make a new film and uh had some actors attached they fell out and eventually Riz Ahmed 
and Olivia Cook got attached to it. And it's a story of like a lightning bolt esque or uh you know, some I don't it's hard to describe what they're doing because they're not it's not like even Lightning Bolt has like melody they're like just making noise sort of in their group of in their in their, mu- in their music group uh he's playing drums Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook is like sort of playing guitar but mostly just like creating feedback and screaming into a microphone and I don't know I mean probably there's probably more uh to it than that but in the film you don't see it and their band is called uh Black Gammon <laughs> like backgammon but Blackgammon <laughs> so I thought kind of kind of a good kind of a good name for a band and uh they're playing shows. Uh, they're touring around in their weird, gigantic Airstream uh, motorhome, which is like the biggest Airstream motorhome I've ever seen. And uh, Riz Ahmed, after a show, finds out or realizes that he can't hear anything. And uh, he goes to the doctor and turns out he's losing his hearing. All this stuff is in the trailer. So he goes to this like conv- convent or... Uh, I don't know what you, what do you call that? Like a, you know, like, (laughs) like a, like a place where only deaf people are essentially. And he goes there and he, he, uh, learns sign language and he commiserates with the other deaf people. And he sort of learns to be deaf, which is the goal of the place. And, uh, I know that convent is not the right word. Come on. What is the word? (laughs) It's driving me insane now. Retreat? C- commune. Commune. Oh. Convent. Commune. <laughs> You're a commune, not a convent. It's not a fucking nun. Anyway, he uh, goes to this uh, commune, learns how to be deaf, but he's like not satisfied with it, even though it's like super you know, good for him because he's, he's also a former heroin addict. And... Uh, he decides to make some choices which are maybe not the best choices and uh things kind of uh change for him drastically but uh it's a very good movie riz ahmed uh if this were a normal year i'd say he would be in the front runner for best actor after this movie i don't know what the race looks like i don't know if they're even going to be in oscars but um if there is, he should definitely be in contention. He's terrific in this. And Olivia Cook is good in it as well. I don't know if she's uh, you know, turning in quite the level of performance or is asked to turn in the level of performance that Ahmed is, but they're both quite good. Um I recommend it. It's on Prime. Check it out. You're paying for Prime anyways, right? Check this out, then do a beer league, do a double feature. All right? <laughs> I am going to check this out. I'm surprised that you didn't want to uh, talk about Skin, A History of Nudity in the Movies. Well, I hated Skin, A History of Nudity in the Movies because... Yeah, he said it was the most meaningless documentary ever made. <laughs> yeah, uh, does not need to exist. There certainly is a space for a documentary about the history of nudity in film, this movie is not it. This movie is no. It's like the first like twenty minutes of this movie about the the sort of origins of cinema and the first kind of inkling of nudity and how it existed and how the haste code changes things and all that kind of stuff. That's all interesting enough. It's my 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 kind of beef with the film is when it gets into the 
late 60s and then all the way through the rest of the film where it's literally it's just, just people it, talking about yeah. movies that have nudity in them and it's just because like, why it, are we talking it about becomes <laughs> it's just here be boobs the movie uh <laughs> and sometimes penises uh the thing I hated about it was I don't know if you guys have ever listened to like uh, the NPR radio show or podcast uh, or yeah Radio Lab, mm. um, but this is a uh, Danny Wolf, the director of of Skin. This again, the only thing I'll say about it, uh, he rarely lets the same historian who starts a sentence finish it. Uh, Ew! It's like a this purposeful like editing style of like. Uh, cutting like having people finish other people's sentences because it ju- it also just shows you that like in these interviews everyone is like having the same exact conversation uh to a point where we can just cut them together it doesn't matter who's saying what um and uh mr skin is in this movie oh it's brutal oh man. every time they show him i'm just like why like this guy is like the opposite of the person you want to have talking about this shit well he he was an executive producer so Oh no my one no one could say no. <laughs> oh my god. All right, Dude, let's, it's, uh, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. Don't watch it. It's on Hulu if you don't want to watch it. <laughs> um And uh let's go uh let's talk birds do it. I'm ready, Kevin. All right. Let's do it. Get it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> yeah, this is um one of the dumbest movies I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I was gonna. I, um, I was thinking about starting with like, "Hey, Kevin, do you want to tell us what it's about?" <laughs> As like a a test uh, to see if you could even like get through a synopsis because I don't think I could. Yeah, to to be honest, like, I, I guess I made it. I don't know. I guess I was like halfway through when I realized I had no idea what was going on. I was unable to follow the plot. Uh. uh <laughs> I mean, it's, the, it's the, bizarre. The only the what's o- confusing about it? He's a janitor at a nuclear well, facility. But he's not a he, he's not a janitor. He's he's an ins- he's a, a a specialist of the dust or whatever yes. they say. It in the- right. But, <laughs> but he so but the beginning of the movie makes that confusing because when we meet Soupy Sales, he's like uh, traveling with this machine by plane and by mm-hmm. car, and like people are trying to kill him. Yeah, like and so like it makes he's it the target really for assassinations. Important. Why is he being targeted like this? And, yeah. uh, and and I, throughout the whole movie, where these two guys are trying to kill Soupy Sales, I never once understood why. No. <laughs> never. I could not figure out why the fuck people are trying to kill Soupy Sales. Yeah, and, like, the the whole thing with, like, the, uh, the anti-gravity stuff, I was like, wait, did I miss something? And no, then it, because, and like, the anti-gravity, no. it's, it's not related to the machine that he's protecting. All of a sudden, Soupy right. Sales has just been ionized, and he's floating, and he can't stop floating, and he flies away. Yeah. And we have a half-hour third act. It's more than a third of the movie where he's just flying over a bay, and yeah. also nothing else happens. He's just flying over a bay. There's yeah. no dialogue? But not really. I mean, after a while, like the people who are trying to kill him, for some reason, start trying to kill him again, and... Mm. uh some members of the military are following him in a canoe. Uh, it's unclear <laughs> why that is their method of transport. Right. And um, like the scientist who ionized him and uh, that scientist's daughter who has been basically bewitched into being attracted to soupy sails. They're on the shore with binoculars looking at what's going on with, uh, <laughs> with soupy sails, uh, just making 
poorly edited comments like you will get the the reaction from the guys on the shore like 30 seconds after the thing that's happened to soupy sales has happened it's like oh <laughs> yeah. we, we forgot to cut back to them let's go now <laughs> right um, sounds great yeah it's uh <laughs> and also maybe you know i'll say something nice about the movie um <laughs> sort of maybe in 1996 some of like the jokes made sense because this is clearly like uh there's clearly a parody or satire element that i do not understand um like at the very beginning when they first get to the this lab um and they repeat the joke sorry i lost my Mm. head it's clear that they're referencing something and when like the lieutenant captain whatever of general maybe Mm. the military guy walks by a bathroom on his way to visit the scientists. He like looks at a sign and, and and I think this is like a countercultural, uh, like sixties joke. He's like, what's this? And another guy's like, that's a men's room. And it was, it just, it did not make any sense at all. (laughs) Uh, and I was lost. It reminds me of that joke in, uh, there's a joke in that show red dwarf once where, the guy, the guy, the guy walks up and he's and he's like he's like looking at a frame on the wall and he's like, "What's this painting? This is rubbish." And the guy's like, "That's a mirror." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that always got me every time. Yeah, I love Red Dwarf. Um, but yeah, the only reason I gave this movie the half star that I gave it was because, uh, towards the beginning of the movie, the general is walking through the halls and he's like. Every time I come down here, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. And I was like, oh, that's where I recognize that actor from. He was in an episode of the Twilight oh Zone. Oh, my God. That yeah. So, so that's like the, same, yeah. it's like the same shit from Maverick that I didn't get. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's not just so good. Gibson. It's just so bad. Uh, so, uh, my, my, uh, so I gave it one full star. Because uh, I, I, I sometimes just have problems being, like, fully mean, uh, which, you know, I, I just need to get over that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when he's floating, before he floats out over the bay, um, he, like, floats up to the top of this uh, building, and there's, like, a, a sort of, like, this Buster Keaton-style, like, chase scene shot from a distance where he's, like, he's rearranging, like, the sign on top of the uh, of this hotel building that I thought was um, interestingly filmed. I, I don't think I loved that they, like, they leaned into that, like, silent thing by, like, having a, a mock, um, like, silent, like, piano score, you know, that would play over a Charlie Chaplin short or whatever. But um, it's still the most interesting thing that happened. Mm. And uh, apparently Soupy Sales was friends with Dean Martin because Dean Martin makes a cameo. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. That's gotta yeah, be good. He just he That's flies by Dean board. Martin while Dean Martin's playing golf. Dean Martin says nothing. Oh wow. That's <laughs> lame. Yeah. Thought it was gonna be better than that. Nope. No, nothing in this movie is better than that. <laughs> well hopefully you'll uh, either win the next round of uh random movie roulette or you'll get a film that you actually enjoy. It's, or that is it's possible to enjoy. It, right. It, it this is about as not good as it could get. Like this is a, a throwaway '60s movie 
the comedy that was meant to be throwaway, I think, in the moment. Like, mm. some of these jokes, it's clear they weren't going to land, you know, a year after its release. Like, the, the references are so specific, but also so dumb. Mm. And uh, I really hope Soupy Sales was not a popular and successful actor, because he's really bad. I think he only made, like, four movies, or he was okay. in... Yeah, Four he's things. not in that many movies, but he was a, I think he was like a radio and a local television personality in like in the northeast because uh the only reason I ever heard of him was uh again, Howard Stern. He says that he was a fan <laughs> of his when he was a kid. Oh. So, so this was a okay. kids movie. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Howard Stern would have been What year did this come out? Mm-hmm. Like 62? 66. Mm. 66. He would have been like 12 when this came out. There's so. there's like a, a countercultural like hippie party uh, that yeah. has some weak jokes in it where, you know, I would I would say like the sexualizing of the females dancing in that room was more than parents would consider appropriate for kids in the 60s. I was like, these women are beautiful. Mm. Depends on who your parents are, I guess. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, but that that was a moment because like I was having a, an internal debate like is this a kids movie is this supposed to be the dumbest thing I've seen maybe it is maybe it's supposed to be mm. the dumbest <laughs> thing I've seen and not be a kids movie I don't know yeah alright well uh, I'm glad that I didn't have to watch that <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's what I get for uh, watching Mel Gibson movies my whole life uh, yeah Let's get to our deep dive, which, okay. again, was my my pick, Turbulence from 1997. Uh, one of, I made a list, actually, a large number of airplane-related thrillers from the 1990s, mm. uh, directed by Robert Butler, starring Lauren Holly, who I think was famous for about four seconds, and uh, Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. and Brendan Gleeson, and Hector Elizondo, and... Uh, Rachel Tocotin, thank God, because I'll tell mm. you, I miss I miss Rachel Tocotin. But uh, yeah, this movie's about a, a serial killer named uh, is his name Robert Weaver. Is it Robert? I thought no, Robert's the uh, Fred. Fred no, Weaver? No, it's no, neither it's of these. It's neither Fred Weaver. <laughs> Robert's the director. Fred. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fred is a different actor. Uh, oh, we're. Ryan this Weaver. Is, this is not good. Okay. Oh, Ryan, right. They keep calling him Weaver anyway. So yeah, it's yeah. about Ryan Weaver, uh, who is the uh, something strangler. They have some name for him. I don't fucking remember. Like uh, Lonely Heart Strangler? Lonely Hearts? Yeah, Crimson Lonely Heart. Heart. Lonely Hearts. <laughs> Crimson. Yeah. Crimson sounds better. I don't know. Anyways, and uh, they've captured him. Hector Elizondo finally captured him. Possibly it is inferred and claimed by Weaver that it was by uh, planting evidence on him, nefarious means. And um, now he's on a plane ride, uh, coach ticket all the way to the death row, where he will fry, or as he's, I think he says, the lethal injection is how it's going to mm, happen. Yeah. But uh, he's he's being brought uh, by f- two different. Well, there's four different marshals total because there's a bank robber played by Brendan Gleeson also on the flight, and Lauren Holly, who's just been dumped by her fiance, quite unceremoniously. Uh, and after you watch her in this movie, you can see why. Uh, <laughs> she uh, she uh, is a, a flight attendant on the flight who is just ho- hopelessly charmed by Ray Liotta's psychotic uh, f- every man 
discussion of Jimmy well, Stewart movies. Uh, her, her, her being charmed by him. I mean, it it makes the viewer wonder. Like, okay, is Ray Liotta not the psycho? Like, it's almost mm. like the movie mm. for a minute is trying to to like get us off the scent. Like, maybe he isn't the bad guy, but then he very very immediately is. Yeah, I mean, I think that the anybody who's going to see the movie has seen the trailer, and in the trailer, it's it's not ambiguous at all. He is a killer. He's crazy. Mm. So you know, it's it, it's absurd that they that the filmmakers think that they could trick the audience uh, during the first you know maybe half hour of this movie into thinking that Ray Liotta is not a psychotic killer <laughs> because he clearly is. Mm. Um, but I did I did have a note that he he plays harmless very well at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Like I like I agree with you. I believe it. Like even though I know he's crazy, I know he's gonna go crazy and kill people, I'm still he's just so like such a goofy, charming guy at the beginning of this movie that I can't blame Lauren Holly for for falling for it. You know? Mm. I'd fall for it too. Look at his eyes. Beautiful. <laughs> Ray, Ray Liotta in his prime. But uh, what did you guys think of uh, Turbulence? Dumb fun. That's that's I it. Agree. That's my I, agree with, yeah. I agree with the first part. Oh, uh, no no fun? No fun for you? <laughs> uh, I remember like the watching like the credit sequence and thinking like, oh, so this is just every generic 90s action film ever. Uh, yeah, that that like that silvery blocky font. Yeah. I was like, it's, holy shit. Yeah. I've seen that before. Yeah, and I I was trying to think like what else have I seen Lauren Holly in and the answer is dumb and dumber and that's it. And that it. and I and you know, it's it's weird to it's weird to say like that's probably her best performance, but from this I can't see otherwise. I am in in complete agreement her performance in this is embarrassing. Yeah, uh, like she, she is bad in this. Yes, and she's not the only one who's bad. No. Oh yeah, but it seems like the other, like she's just not, she's not in a headspace to like. She doesn't seem like the kind of actor who can, uh, pull off what what the kind of uh you know, turn it to eleven performances that some of the other people are doing. Mm. And when she tries to do that, it's just weird and kind of awkward and yeah cringy yeah and her, her character is also just the worst like mm-hmm. i mean like the the movie treats her as the worst um it has her make really like dumb decisions but then like it tries to make her smart in other points it's just it's all over the place uh and yeah she can't there's nothing sh- she can do to uh, well there's nothing lauren holly does to elevate mm. the crummy role yeah yeah, she's uh I also I wrote about her character specifically and it took me a while to come to this conclusion but she's kind of a bitch. Like I you know, and I don't I don't like to refer to people as that, but like she's mm. just such a I don't know, she just comes off as very like incredibly rude and things like everybody except Ray Liotta, you know? It's Yeah. Really, it's just really strange, you know. I don't know I don't know what her character is. Like I don't know what they were trying to get at with mm. her like what like what they had in their heads like the whole like when she's talking to the air traffic controllers uh through the headset and she's just giving them these smart ass replies i'm just like what are you doing like they're trying to save your fucking life here 
Like just well, relax. Oh, I mean, guys, we gotta we gotta stop with the life saving real quick because um, Ray Liotta's calling me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're telling yeah. me he's a killer, <laughs> and I shouldn't trust anything he says. But I'm gonna go ahead and believe him and make this movie last 40 minutes longer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and this this older woman who kind of threw me under the bus at the beginning of the movie, like she's <laughs> actually my best friend. So I don't know. Like I. I, almost any other actor or actress making those same smart aleck comments, you know, like, oh, sorry, I've been a little busy just trying not to die, you know, stuff like that. I could buy from a better performance, but not from Lauren Holly. And, you know, I, I, I want to reiterate again, I I don't, Lauren Holly's not good. Mm. Uh, the, her, her writing is especially bad and like that the sort of like smart ass comments that she's she makes like Ray Liotta has a couple of smart ass comments too like these comments these one-liners are just kind of like peppered in as though like some producer was like I don't know if we have enough of a <laughs> diehard vibe we got to get a little bit more diehard on this plane uh someone write some one-liners yeah yeah they ordered, like, they ordered a punch up and uh yeah it was not for the best. Yeah, I'm never flying this airline again. Yeah, I why know. would I take my seatbelt off? The captain hasn't turned the light off yet. Yeah, that was actually one of the better ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, there's just like there's, like I said, okay, this is first of all, this is the almost the last in a long line of. Uh, Airplane-related thrillers, and I'll just read some off the list that I have. Executive Decision, mm. Passenger 57, Die Hard 2, Air Force One, Con Air, Drop Zone, Terminal Velocity, and I'll even include Point Break because there are airplane-related scenes in Point Break, but it's it's just insane. Uh, like When I started watching this, I was like, I was about a minute into it. <laughs> And I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really got a feel for it yet, but I was like, you know what? This is probably going to end up being the best out of all those films, except Point Break, of course. But the best out of all those, you know, kind of airplane hijacker movies mm. of the 90s, because I remembered liking this. And it, it, it immediately lost me for two reasons. Hector Elizondo is god-awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't believe him as this this hardened detective at all uh he's just he's terrible and two when they blatantly rip off the silence of the lambs uh you know bait and switch in the very beginning of the film i don't know if you guys remember in silence of the lambs yeah you're right uh, clarice is going to see the uh uh buffalo bill and uh Mm. you think that she's at the other house and that they're at the house to arrest Buffalo Bill, but they switch it. And they do the exact same thing here at the very beginning. Mm. And it's, of course, you know, horribly ineffective and lame. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's like a... It's kind of like a why did you do this moment? Exactly. I, I know yeah. you, you thought you were uh, being economic and introducing two characters at once, but uh, this was not the way to do that. But it's also like... It's also... It's playing, it's playing the audience assuming that the audience knows already that Leota is dangerous mm. when they play the whole rest of the first half of the movie as though he is not dangerous, as though he might have very well been framed right. and is innocent of the charges. So it's just completely like uh, contradictory. And the, the fact that, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Just those first, those first few moments. So 
You're entitled to your opinion. I didn't, I didn't remember that it was a a, a Christmas film. No, so. I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. Is like why why is this not part of the great uh, Die Hard Christmas debate? You know exactly, and the reason is because it's mm, terrible. Yeah. And nobody watches this movie. Everybody uh, right. loves Die Hard. This is a uh, this might be is this the closest thing we've ever had to like a seasonally appropriate pick? Absolutely. This, we're mean, you know oh yeah probably. Away, so. But we're recording in December, right. and there's a chance we won't record again before Christmas. Oh, I hope not. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. But Are you the, trying uh, to tell us something, Jr.? So there's I a know, right? <laughs> oh, okay. listen. Okay. I was gonna. Say, I I just remember. I was gonna say something, and I forgot. But what you said about how they they do that twist at the beginning, that Sons of the Lambs esque twist for no reason whatsoever, mm. and that's not the only time they do that, right? It's just bad filmmaking. Like later on, when the they they literally spend time introducing multiple passengers on this plane <laughs> that you never mm. spend any Get time the with. They don't do anything. They, yeah, they go in the closet halfway through the movie. You never see them again. It's well, yeah. ridiculous. The filmmakers realized while filming, they're like, you know what? Let's just, it'd be a lot easier to film this if we just kind of make it a mm. two-hander. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I was like, well, that kid is skateboarding in the plane, and she has this little moment with the kid, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, he's going to threaten that kid later, and she's going to have to do something because he's threatening the kid. But no, the kid just gets locked in a closet with the rest of them. Fuck them. It's just ridiculous. I was just so disappointed. No. It was... Mm. You know, it, it was a weird choice. Like I, I maybe you know, maybe this is hindsight, of course. I don't know how famous Brendan Gleeson was uh, in 1997, but you know, I, mm. I kind of liked quickly dispatching him. He's kind of like a a red herring, uh, even though again we know that Ray Liotta's <laughs> a psycho already. Yeah, but um, the only scene I enjoyed yeah. actually was him talking Brendan Gleeson down or trying to talk him down. I, I all that yeah. stuff I liked. I liked that the whole. Good. I liked that whole sequence uh, of killing yeah. of dispatching the FBI agents. Um, I like that Air a good marshals. bit. <laughs> well, there's one FBI agent, isn't there? Whatever is there? I don't. Know. I thought they were all U.S. Marshals. It doesn't matter. I think. I think it's just the one who shows up at like uh, LAX. Oh right, right, okay, yeah. Um, I was thinking but, uh, Michael Harney was an FBI agent. He is not. Yeah, all of the I liked all the violence during those scenes. I liked all the, uh, but I really enjoyed when when he was holding Lauren Holly hostage and Ray Liotta was like trying to talk him down, and then he said, "Give me, give me your gun to that uh, to the one guy." Harney. And he said, "Any, any, yeah." Oh, is that his name? No, that's the actor's name. He's in uh, Orange Is the New Black. That's what I know him from. He's but, also yeah. in. Tur- yeah. He's also in Turbulence too. Oh Jesus. He's dead. How's he in Turbulence? <laughs> he plays too? a different character. Uh, oh my! God. The star, wow. the star of Turbulence Two, by the way. The star of Turbulence Two is also in Turbulence Three, and he plays a different character. This is a what? This oh is oh my a, god! Not a lot of continuity, you know, in this franchise. Isn't Tom Berenger in one of them? He's in two. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I didn't, uh, I didn't, that's at least they I didn't, didn't lose their cachet. You know, they got a big actor. That's pretty good. You know. <laughs> He's yeah. about on the level of Ray Liotta, uh, star power wise, I'd say. In nineteen ninety nine, yeah, I mean Liotta's not big in ninety seven, even I don't think. Really? Yeah, I don't think I don't, so. Uh, yeah, probably I not. I guess I don't remember that very well. Yeah, I mean he's got to be the biggest he ever was in the early nineties, right? After Goodfellas and I mean, right. this was I, this was not like a, a cheap movie. This was a, a fifty five right. million dollar movie, which is not. That's certainly not like 
super expensive, but that is kind of in like a mm. a, a level of '90s movie that that is not cheap um, and is expected to make money. This movie made eleven million dollars yeah. on a fifty-five million dollar budget. Ouch! How did it get? I think the, why did the it get reason sequels? is because you've got people like Ray Liotta and Lauren Holly in it who aren't. They're not box office draws, you know. I mean, they're not. Yeah. They're not mm. big names. Like, I mean, Leota's a uh, much bigger name than she is, but I don't think either one of them are attracting a lot of attention. Probably not. You know? Yeah, and the fact that it's such a such a bad mishmash of so many different cliches and just you know, kind of blatant ripoffs from other '80s and '90s action films. It's like, uh, it's. Yeah, it's just everything that could have worked but didn't. How about the uh, the reoccurring uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" references? The awful mm. scene where he's like whispering the song to her as he's trying to smoke her out of the cabin. I wanted to put my fist through the screen. I was <laughs> like, "This is the worst." Like I was yeah. like, "Leota, you're better than this. This is a bad performance at this yeah. point." Um, yeah, thought this was a non-smoking flight. <laughs> what about? Ugh. Hold on. It's so, disgusting. so I could see everyone kind of having different feelings about uh, Leota and parts. Um, so I really liked that that scene. I hate for Lauren Holly. I really liked for Leota uh, the scene where you know he's trying to convince her to come out of the flight deck. Right, yeah, yeah. Even though I like that too. He's. He gave her the key to the flight. Like, he gave her back the key to the flight deck. Um, we, we don't know if Ray Liotta is supposed to be smart or not. I mean, he's evaded police. He's escaped police before. Um, and But he, he can't seem to think, like, farther than, than five minutes ahead. Because, uh, like, he just he goes in there and kills the co-pilot and then uh, just gives her back the key, basically ensuring that he will be locked out of that uh, flight deck. Mm. But whatever. The co-pilot was already dead, to be fair. What? He died during the turbulence. Like he fell, oh. he like fell into the thing, and they showed him like his neck was like wrapped in the uh, seatbelt. And he told oh, her, right. he right. told her that You're he right. was still alive, but he he had already stowed the body. But anyway, go ahead. The, the lying was not I, a good choice. I agree with um, yeah, I agree. But when he is trying <laughs> to get her out the first time right. by telling her that uh, you know the other flight attendant has has fallen and hurt her head, you know he strangled her, of course. Um, He's he's like doing the charming voice and then it will cut to him and you like see him like turning the charming <laughs> yeah. on and off and he's doing some very strange things with his tongue in between yeah, delivering lines. <laughs> and I could not decide if it was my favorite or least favorite mm. thing ever and I'm kind of leaning toward favorite. The, the tongue no, like, the tongue I, work I'm, was great. Yeah, I agree. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a ridiculous scene because, you know, yeah, it's like it's like Terry is just an absolute moron. Like she said, she's listening to any of this at that point. But, uh, yeah, the tongue stuff is good. I just had a couple of just like sort of uh, mm. just they're they're completely unrelated to anything. But uh, Special Agent Johnson from Die Hard is one of the marshals. Do you guys notice this? Yeah. Um, the, uh, I can't remember the actor's name. FBI guy? Grandel. No, not Grandel Bush. No, it is Grandel Bush, right? Yeah, mm. I don't know. I just remember he's he's Special Agent Johnson. Oh, the first guy's Johnson. Oh my God, it's... Special Agent Johnson. <laughs> no relation. And then uh, Brendan Gleeson's accent Ooh. in the film 
it's not good, but it reminds me. It's almost the exact accent that he affects in Cold Mountain. Oh wow! <laughs> the ruby with the eyes that sparkle. That guy, you know, <laughs> like, like he's he's the exact same guy essentially, except just you know, right. and bloodthirsty. But As anyway. I, I I didn't see the accent coming, so the you know he only has a few lines, and I think his first is like, "What the fuck are you looking at?" Mm. With that accent, I was like, "Whoa." aggressive yeah. <laughs> and, and as for your question earlier about how big of a star brendan gleason was i i sincerely doubt he was anybody at this time i mean braveheart probably but probably, that's it yeah i mean he would have been in that's right he would have been in braveheart but i, I can't you know. imagine he was in much of anything else. He, i'm sure I, I doubt that he got uh yeah to call brendan gleason famous now is is probably not the right word for what he is <laughs> yeah uh, anyway but he's probably known, but not famous. He was in uh he he was in Michael Collins. Oh yeah, which was I guess sort of a high profile movie. Yeah. Was it? But yeah, that's pretty much it. Just I mean, and then a bunch of uh, well, he's in Far and Away, but it's a little ro- small role mm. in Far and Away. So, never right, seen that. Yeah. All right. Well, guess we'll. You never seen Far and Away? No. Uh, and I. Oh, Ron Howard. <laughs> I haven't told you guys yet. Um. You know, we wrapped up 1986. We've moved yeah. on to 1992. Far and Away is on my list. Oh, oh, here we go. And it's on maybe HBO Max, so I, I'll, I'll probably get to it. Mm. Maybe it'll be one of the Ron Howards that you enjoy, finally. Yeah, probably not. No, yeah. What one best picture say. for 86? <sighs> Did I forget already? Was it Aliens? No, I'm uh, quite certain it was Blue Velvet. Ah. That would have mm. to be, right? Yeah, you know, sure. You, you didn't agree. What'd you vote for? Um, Sacrifice. No. God damn it! You're, why are you making me pull this up? Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't vote. Sacrifice didn't make it to the nominations. Uh, my yeah, there. One of my my foil in this group pushed back hard on the sacrifice, and I think he he brought a lot of people over to his side of that argument. Was he for Blue Velvet? Yeah, he loves Blue Velvet. It's his it's his favorite movie ever. <laughs> so it's weird to be a foil to the sacrifice, but still love Blue Velvet. He he also he's not truly my foil. He oh, okay. He, uh, <laughs> just in the, just in this group, I suppose. Mm. No, and, and he, you know he he was all for uh, Stalker. It's, he doesn't dislike nice. Tarkovsky. He just dislikes the sacrifice. Right. All right. Cool. Any, anyway. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to get into all that. I know you hate talking about your other film friends. Yeah, you know, I just I feel like I'm cheating on you guys. And I only mm. have one more thing to say about Turbulence, which is Ben Cross as Captain Bowen. Yeah, the sort of uh, MVP of the movie, in my opinion. I mean, mm. just the perfect calming presence with that goofy London accent that he has. You know, he never he's completely monotone. Never gets excited. Never gets shows any emotion whatsoever. I really, I don't know what it was Dang. about his performance, but I really, uh, I thought it was all right. And I looked him up, and he's, you know, he's, he's dead now, and he's just this completely like <laughs> mm. faceless. He's been in nothing, you know. He's been a lot. Of, he's been in a lot of shit, but I've never like heard of any of it. And the stuff that I have heard mm. of, I've never heard of him in it. I, it's just weird. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed his his performance in the film. So. I, you know, it sounds like I had a bit more fun <laughs> with uh, some of the more ridiculous elements of this. Like I liked uh, when the plane flew into the the building, Ugh. and I liked when it picked up the uh, 
I liked when it picked up the truck. Did you like when they got shot the truck off of it instead of shooting them down like they were ordered to? I kind of felt like that yeah. was coming. That was brutal. Um, no, that was kind of lame. And also, uh, I think, um, I can't remember who said what in the in the LAX room, but <laughs> it involves hello, uh, actor, what, why can't I say his name? Elizondo? Hector, Hector Elizondo. I was like, where do I put the H? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hector Elizondo <laughs> and, and Rachel right. Tacoten. Um, and whoever the asshole, yeah. that was the FBI agent, the one who wanted to oh, shoot right, out of this right, guy. Right. The guy who um, wants to shoot the plane down. Yeah, yeah, that's all he wants the whole movie. I just, I just want to yeah. shoot planes. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, she picks up the the truck with the the landing wheel, and uh, someone's like, they cleared the building, and someone else says, but there's a problem, and a third person says, I think this is Elizondo. He says, I think it's a Ford. Oh yeah, um, that's br- brutal. That was not good. Brutal. It reminded me of Con Air, the similar moment in Con Air mm. where he runs through the. Uh, they somehow attach the convertible car, Cole Meany's inver- convertible car, to the plane, and it's like flying yeah. through the air. And uh, John Cusack has some smart ass line about it, <laughs> which works better. Which works better in that film than this does in this, but it's still, yeah. you know, really cheesy. Wait, was Con Air but on your list? On my list of what? Of plane movies? Oh, the film? Yes, it was. Okay. Yes, it was. Sorry. Sorry. Of course. Of course. It's a, it's a staple. Con Air, Executive Decision, and uh, Air Force One are the big three, I would say. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I yeah. would, you know, if we're doing a second tier, it's probably uh, Turbulence and Turbulence 2. Um <laughs> That's it. I don't think Turbulence 2 is second tier. I think it's like fifth tier. Fifth yeah. tier doesn't exist. I don't think it even gets ranked. Like, straight to video? It was straight to video. are in theaters, you know? It, it's weird that, um, you know, this movie did, this movie is a failure, obviously. It was a flop. A flop. Um, but someone had to, like, have immediately greenlit, like, a, this direct-to-video <laughs> to sequel. Like, we're going to keep Turbulence going. I don't care. I don't care who who says no. Um, what year did it come out? Ninety nine. So just two years That's later. Two years later, they probably made it back. They probably made the turbulence money back on video rentals. I bet. Mm, maybe. Like it's probably a huge video rental thing because I mean that's when I saw it. Right. We, my, my parents rented it a bunch. Like they loved it. So. Well, you know, because again, you know, I'm not going to pay to go see the plane movie, but it's the '90s. We watch plane movies. Yeah. Exactly. You have to. It's a. It's a rule. That's right. Anyway, all right. Well, ratings. I'm gonna give it a two. Same two. I'm gonna go uh, two and a half. Um, That's fine. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, right, and well. and I was wrong. Just real quick. Um, okay. We did not right. vote Blue Velvet Best Picture. Oh. Uh, what? Hannah is and her sisters was voted the winner. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hannah and her sisters is like the most. It was, it was very surprising how, just, wholly beloved it was in this group. Wow, the group sounds retarded. No, Hannah and her sisters <laughs> is wonderful. I'm not saying it's not good. I've never seen it, but the idea that it would beat out something like Blue Velvet is <laughs> absurd. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, break. we're not as hip as you. <laughs> I just don't think Woody Allen is. You know, a quarter of the filmmaker that Lynch is, but mm. well, he's more than a quarter of the writer. I'll tell you that. 
All right. Um, All right. I'm gonna roll the dice now. I've got the turbulence page up. Can, can we okay. can we make it so it's not number one? We will. I'm gonna roll it until it's not number one. Okay. okay. It's starting on number three. Okay. Here I go. It's number two. It's Lauren Holly. <laughs> all right. You're fucked, Jr. <laughs> Actually, I we was, might all be fucked. I, here. I was gonna be fucked with with everyone except maybe Brendan Gleeson, but I was gonna be fucked. Like, I, have I seen a single oh, thing with Rachel hey, to go? You, you you've seen Crank High Voltage, and she's in that apparently. She is. Hmm. Uh, do you, I don't remember her. I don't either. But you know, anyway. So uh, so yeah, we'll pull up. Pull up some hollies. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's been in a tremendous amount of these uh, bullshit-like movies that it seems like you would have watched with your wife, Jr. I probably Christmas have. Christmas Catch, you a guys, Country Wedding. You guys, might be, you guys might be fucked. I might have seen all I these. I think we are fucked. I think you have seen these movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. I'm just running through all of them, making this, sure I don't have any that I haven't marked. Mm, this is a bizarre. This is not like <laughs> the kind of career where I'm trying to watch a lot of these movies. <laughs> I didn't, right, and well, I did not I, know. Uh, she's. I'm sorry, you did not know what. Oh, just like I've I've not seen the Sydney Pollock Sabrina remake, so you guys are safe mm. on that. Uh, uh, you know, I saw McHale's Navy, but never saw Down Periscope. <gasps> I, I did see down periscope multiple times okay well i've got uh there's so there she's been in 68 68 films and i'll go first i've seen seven of them 10 percent all right uh, jr's happy which means well, he must have beaten me no i've seen seven of them 10 percent oh, oh it's a tie <laughs> what are we gonna do kevin what's your number Four. <laughs> oh, okay, you lose then. So what does that mean? Does that mean only Kevin has to watch the movie? <sighs> That's no God fun. Damn it. <laughs> I know, we didn't discuss what to do in case of a tie. Uh. We should go again. Okay, me and you will go again for winner. Okay, That's good. Okay, yeah, me, only one person watching again. isn't very fun. I mm. agree with that 100%. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice again. You can watch me do it on the thing, so it's fair. Okay, it's one. Do you want to roll it again or do you want to do Ray Liotta? No, we'll just do Ray Liotta. <laughs> Okay, we're doing Ray Liotta then. I really wanted to be Gleason. What, what kind of die die is this? Why? I don't know. It's all. It's always fucking one. <laughs> okay, I've seen a lot of Ray Liotta movies. <laughs> oh, <you>? Fuck! <laughs> I just I rented Field of Dreams from the fucking library like day before oh yesterday. I haven't watched it yet. You're such ah! a you're such a film junk junkie. I know <laughs> they were talking about. It. I was like, I've never seen this fucking movie. I gotta watch it. They love it. Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna lose this so hard. Okay, I, he's got. You know, he's got a. Uh, if only I'd been able to get my family to watch Hubie Halloween instead of Cats. <laughs> <laughs> he's got 91 films. Jr., what's your number? My number is 16. Your number is 16. 17, 16, which is 17 percent. Jr. Yeah. How do I keep beating your ass at this fucking game? Oh my god. 21. 21. Well, Cuz you've seen bullshit like Copland and you <laughs> fa- your your favorite movie is Wild Hogs and uh I've never seen Wild Hogs. <laughs> I have seen uh I have seen Copland. I have seen Identity. I've seen What it. about a 
I've, what about it, Operation I, Dumbo Drop? Yeah, I've seen that. I've never seen that. I've seen things like Youth and Revolt, which you might not have seen. No, I've not. Oh. I saw. And, uh, you've I mean, seen Wanderlust, right? No, I've I've never seen Wanderlust. I've never seen the oh. Sin City sequel. I've never seen Hannibal. I have. Um, oh, I've God, I've seen all those. Oh yeah. What <laughs> about all uh, terrible too? I've never what about seen in the name of the king. There's fucking Revolver, which is, I'm pretty sure is a Guy Ritchie movie. It is. I yeah. never saw that. I, wa- I tried watching it one time, and I had to bail out in like five minutes, and it was not good. I, I saw Heartbreakers in the theater, which is a Gene Hackman uh, Sigourney mm. Weaver comedy. Yeah. And uh, have you seen Narc, Jr.? Yeah. Okay, good because Narc is that's with right. uh, Robert Patrick, right? Yeah. No, not Robert Patrick. Jason Patrick. Oh, sorry. Was, you know, actually, I've, there's a movie. There's a movie on this list that uh, is on my list of potential films. Another one besides Turbulence, <laughs> which is No Escape. Never seen. Which that. is on my potential uh, deep dive list. I know you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be coming at some point. Wow. Anyway, and Turbulence right, well. is the least popular movie of his that I have seen. Turbulence uh, is far down the list. Yeah, it's pretty far down. I don't know what, what was the least. Popular. He was in Street Kings too. I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. I almost saw him. I've seen. I've seen a lot of his movies at like Blockbuster over the years, like Phoenix. And uh, Inferno, like I've seen those covers like a lot at Blockbuster back in the day. But oh, and he did the Rat Pack. You know what? The Rat Pack is an HBO film where he plays Sinatra, and I very well may have seen that, but I don't have it marked. But I'm not going to mark it because I don't have 100 percent memory of it. Anyway, yeah, I win again. So let's get to random movie roulette. I'm going to generate a number now between 1 and 8,470. Yep, sounds good. The great. number, here it comes. I've got the number. It's. I'll just tell you the number this time because it's going to take me like a million years to get to it. It's 5919. Okay. So it's, you you can, you know, you can just like do like slash page slash 60. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, how many pages? Oh, it was 85 pages, so... Right. Feel free to do that. So, fifty nine hundred would be page sixty. Oh, okay. Because it's it's a hundred per page. I am there. Are you there? Okay, do it. Just find out what it is. I I have found out. You said fifty nine nineteen, right? Fifty nine nineteen. I see it. I see. Fifty nine nineteen <laughs> is yeah. You you reveal it. I'm. Fifty nine nineteen hmm. is a little movie from nineteen eighty three, directed by Bob Clark. So that's not at all bad called Porky's 2 the next day. <laughs> oh my god. It's comedies two weeks in a row. <laughs> and it's a uh, but this one's on Prime. Apparently. Oh. Perfect. Perfect. So that'll be your uh your punishment film. <laughs> oh. I might I might check this one. I've never seen Porky's 1. I'd have to watch it first. Same. It, I don't want to be uh I don't want to be lost. Yeah. I imagine you wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, Sierra is so mad. I, <laughs> to watch this. <laughs> I don't. I don't have uh, any great love for for Porky's. You seen the first one? Yeah, yeah. it's directed <laughs> like Bob Clark as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and Bob Clark is a bit of a 
kind of a um, like he's like he's done some good stuff. I mean, he's a Black Christmas, obviously, and, and a Christmas story. But I've heard a lot of good things about like Death Dream, yeah, for instance. And, and Baby Geniuses mm. and Baby Geniuses too. Well, not not those films, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, have you seen Have you seen Turk One Eighty Two? No, I, I've only seen the ones we just mentioned: uh, Death Dream, A Christmas mm. Story, Black Christmas, and the Baby Geniuses movie. Movies. My dad, my dad loves Turk One Eighty Two. It's a Timothy Hutton movie from the 80s. Mm. We used to watch when we were kids. But anyway, so yeah. So next time on the show, uh, that'll be the film that you two report on, Porky's 2. I already forget the subtitle. The next day? Yeah, the next day. The next day. day. Great. <laughs> and a uh, catchy title. Yeah. But, hey, good news is that next time on the show, it's JR's pick. That's correct. So JR gets to, uh, you know, maybe stick it back to me a little no, bit here if he wanted to. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not trying to make everyone miserable. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I, I was really unsure of what to do with this pick, though. Because, you know, part of me was like, well, Mink comes out today. Should I make I you guys know. watch uh, Citizen Kane? And then I was like, oh, I'd probably just, like, kill myself if you guys showed up <laughs> or just like, this is boring. I was like, oh, my God. And then also, I like... Just- what what I don't know if I'd say that. What kind of converse like we don't have anything to add to that conversation about Citizen Kane? Agreed, agreed. Um, yeah, because I just talked about it not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't want to watch it again. So <laughs> <laughs> I could do another Orson Welles film. I'd love that. Um, but you know, I think uh, part of me wants to go back to the seventies. We got to get out. Like we're gonna get sued by Jordan. Uh, yeah, you know, it's one thing covering Maverick, but turbulence is like way too much in the film shake wheelhouse. When I I know when I saw him, I told him I was like, dude, we did Maverick, and now we're doing turbulence. The next episode, he was like, oh my god, <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's gonna. I don't know. He's. I'm sure he is not happy. He's rarely happy with you guys anyway. I think, but he's gonna be unhappy. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I know we went to the '70s pretty recently, but I, th- I think we're gonna go back. Um, and it's been a long time since I watched uh, some Peter Weir movies that I hold in pretty high regard. So you just made a face. What did that face mean? Is it Last Wave? It is The Last Wave. Nice. I uh, see that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to watch The Last Wave. Cool. Right. Nice. What year is it from? I want to say that one's 71 or 72. One hundred percent into that. Yeah. Oh, I'm wrong. It's seventy-seven. Oh, <laughs> it's the opposite end of the decade. Yeah. All right. Well, next time on the show, we'll be watching the last wave from nineteen seventy-seven. Jr. and uh, <laughs> Jr. and Kevin will be reporting back on uh, Porky's two the next day. What? What is? Is it the third one that's called Porky's Revenge? I guess. Is that that's not a Bob Clark movie? I'm guessing. I don't know. It's also it's like right next to it in the uh, movie roulette list. That's oh. no, not right next to it. It's on the yeah. That is Porky's three. Same would it be if next time on the show we roll fifty nine twenty and we have to watch Porky's three? <laughs> so no, it anyway. would be that would be fifty nine thirteen. Uh, oh, but fifty nine twenty is like there, there's this is just like a block of shitty eighties <laughs> sex comedies. Yeah, fifty nine twenty is hard bodies. Uh, oh, nice! I don't know if that's with Jamie Lee Curtis. No, that's. Um, oh, I'm thinking of something else. You, yeah, you're thinking of perfect. Uh, 
something. The one with John Travolta. Yeah, like yeah exactly. Yeah. That movie is better than you might think. Not that I'm it's good. I'm thinking of that movie because she has a really hard body in that movie. She does. Mm. Yeah. No. Um, I haven't seen Hard Bodies, but it looks ridiculous <laughs> and uh, has the exact kind of poster you would think it has. Dude, I mean, look at the. You, have you read the synopsis? Three middle aged daddies visit California to have a marvelous time of age. Kind of a thing is that to say. So weird mm. synopsis. <laughs> middle aged yeah. daddies? That's just a, anyway. That's a weird word mm. choice, daddies there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, next time on the show, that's what we'll be watching. And uh, until then, please uh, like and subscribe and rate us and all that stuff on uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Visit our website and blog at filmyak.podium.co. Write to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or concerns or, uh, you know, you just want to uh, tell us how much we suck and you guys hate us. That's okay, too. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Yes, me to get a pair of underwear. I'm back in two seconds.